0: Welcome to another episode of the Destination Linux podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 82 of Destination Linux. My name is Ryan and with me here today are two beautiful people. Beautiful people. Michael is here. Michael, what have you been up to this week, my
2: friend? Quite a lot of stuff. I've been uh, doing a little bit of extreme distro hopping. And I, whoa, yeah, that's unlike you. It is very much unlike me. And I also did some, you know, readjusting for the overlays and the all kinds of stuff for the, the Destination Linux uh, video form for on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, quite a few things. And,
1: uh, but how, you said extreme distro uh, hopping. Yeah. So, I mean, what distros did you try? Because you're known as the KDE guy. I want to know if you cheated.
2: Okay, one, I did some testing for other distros, but that wasn't a part of the Extreme. That was a part of a different computer. And the Extreme okay. Distro Hopping was for the setup of today's uh, recording. Uh, I have a laptop that I Extreme Distro Hopped to Kubuntu about uh, like an hour before I started doing the some recording stuff. Nice. So, yeah, Kubuntu 1804.1.
1: There you go. Well, we're going to talk about some 18.04.1 news coming up. And Zeb, what have you been up to, my friend?
0: Hiya. Um, well, I've been putting my machine back together after having tried Team Red. Um, and you and loved was, Team Red, right? Whilst I was like, super excited to try it, <laughs> it wasn't for me or I expected too much of it. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll try a GTX 1080 when the GTX 1100 series comes out. Because yeah. I'm hoping the uh, price drops. So what I've been doing is I've been busy reinstalling my distros, setting you up a special wallpaper because I l- know you love NVIDIA. Um, <laughs> That's a shame. Oh, and I still haven't fitted me icy dock. You
1: still? So, what? How long has the icy dock sat in a box? It's been like at least a month now.
0: It's No, hang on. It's out of the box.
1: Oh, wow. Well, step one. Geez, step one. Yeah.
0: Step <clears> one. <throat> step two is I think I've lost the screws.
1: So I have a video that shows you how to install it, Zeb. It's real easy. You slide it into a five and quarter bay. Yeah. Well, you guys to use screws, both though.
0: Sides of oh, no, it's computer. I've got to use a screwdriver and everything.
1: Yeah,
2: you need, you need a special <laughs> modified screwdriver that has a Phillips head, and those are rare.
0: And one that's magnetic because I always drop stuff and I don't want to drop it in the bottom of the computer.
2: That is a good idea with those tiny screws. That's a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, magnets and computers have always gone together well. Really well Well, together. The
2: magnet is attached to the screwdriver and you just don't put the screw in the CPU or the screwdriver in the CPU and you should be good.
1: You're doing it wrong. You get a big electromagnetic magnet and you stick it next to your computer and you turn it on and And then it sucks all the screws out of the case. The spark
0: that jumped out of the Vega 64. That's why it didn't work. Exactly. It could
1: be. That's,
2: that's how you turbocharge yeah. your computer.
0: All right. I thought yeah. that was kickstarting it like the old bike, you know, that... <laughs>
1: <laughs> love it. All right, Zeb. Well, we also got an email this week that I absolutely loved and it's so good that really it's worthy of just reading it verbatim here from cubicle Nate. What does yep. he got to say?
0: Well, it's fantastic. First of all, he says, greetings, I just wanted to throw you a quick note about some really good news and great uses on Linux. I'm a drafter designer by trade and have only been using proprietary software on Windows to do 3D mechanical design work. I have recently been using FreeCAD, which is a 3D parametric solid modeler, not too different from the high cost commercial offerings. It is feature-rich and has many models for different engineering functions. This has been an exciting journey and discovery for me. I have only begun scratching the surface of it, and the more I use it, the more I like it. Some other noteworthy built-in models or modules include BIM, uh, Building Information Modeler, for doing architectural work, and FEM, finite element method for doing some serious part or serious or systems analysts, analysis even. God, this is a technical document. I knew I should have never read it. (laughs) (laughs) From a professional and personal standpoint, this is super exciting to know that I am now free of the confinements of super expensive proprietary software for hobby products, projects. These are cross-platform tools, not exclusive to Linux, but the point is it is on Linux and it works super well. Nice. And The fact that he can now do all of his stuff that he wants to do on Linux is just awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I love about this is last week we had talked to one of our patrons, Wendy, and her photography that she's doing exclusively in Linux. And this email is an individual who's a drafter and designer who's doing their work exclusively in Linux, which I think is really exciting because sometimes we just talk about the desktops and all the things in the desktops, So people were able to run their business off of Linux and make their living off of Linux and do these very advanced techniques and utilize these tools to get this work done. And it just reminded me of the time, even though I have no relation to using FreeCAD and all of those. But I did dabble in the 3D printer world for a short, short while and used a program called Cura. But there are so many programs that were available in Linux to start utilizing the 3D printer. And I thought that was just absolutely amazing as soon as I got it. Of course, I just happened to be given it as a gift. It was a beautiful gift, but unfortunately, it was a really bad knockoff model that didn't work very well. So... Not the software's fault, totally the hardware fault, but interesting nonetheless.
2: Oh yeah, three D printing is a really cool thing. I wish I had a three D printer to mess with it. Um, but if for those who are interested in doing three D printing, you could check out your local like uh, Linux user group or local hackerspace because there's people who there's spaces like that that have three D printers that people can just come in and like kind of book to use it, and you could create stuff based on like models that they have and things like that. So you can play with mm-hmm. it that way. So this is
1: a call out to all of the folks who email us. We get beautiful emails like this. We try to respond to them, but also if they're good enough, we like to bring them into the show itself. So we're asking the question this week, how do you use Linux? Send us an email on how you use Linux and applications that you found to accomplish that work. Comments at destinationlinux.org. And your email may be featured on the show because we definitely want to highlight that type of stuff more and more. Absolutely. Mm Absolutely. So on to the news. Michael, you kind of let the cat out of the bag here, but Ubuntu this is exciting. Everyone hold on. Ubuntu has their first point release, 18.04.1 LTS and also 16.04.5 got its LTS release. So why does this matter? Why is this a big deal, Michael? Well, okay, for one it's it's good that they have
2: that you know it's it's a maintenance thing and they are making a lot of bug fixes and things like that. So there's like a lot of under the hood stuff that is Fixed, And it's important to have that as far as also like the uh, hardware, hardware enablement stacks are getting updates for the kernels and things like that. But the probably the main thing that's really interesting about it, not really interesting, but good to know is that if you are a Ubuntu 16.04 user for the LTS and you like to use LTS to LTS, this is the first version That Ubuntu says you can upgrade from like you can Mm -hmm. technically had all you could have technically upgraded from as soon as 1804 came out, but they didn't suggest it because they didn't do enough testing and they didn't have all the things like ready to do it. And now with this version with the first point release, you can do it. And that's how typically all LTS releases that they wait for the point release for
1: the upgrades. Well so because I distro hop so much and never stay on long enough to migrate you were i were perfectly the command, fine. <laughs> did your sudo apt get uh dist upgrade is that the command you would use to upgrade your distro to uh, Well Ubuntu
2: is a different thing because they have the uh, Ubuntu update manager so it's like update-manager is the one that does everything for you because uh, okay. distro the, the 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 dist upgrade for apt doesn't take into considerations the things that uh, like turning off PPAs and things like that, so the update dash manager covers those things. Hmm. So it'll nice. turn it off, and you can go back in and turn it back on when you have it com- converted.
0: And and it takes an awful lot longer than a normal app dist upgrade would do. Yeah. Um, that's just generally pulling all of the new bits and pieces in to um, you know Ubuntu or whatever it is you're doing it on. The actual upgrade from session to session is probably going to bring in something like fifteen hundred items and can probably take I don't know about 40 minutes to complete give or take yeah And that's it's quite a long wow. a long process that, that we're not really used to in the Linux world we're normally used you know, sort of bish bash wash on the terminal done let's move on to the next thing this does actually take some time but it's very interesting to see what it's doing and wiping this bit in and bringing in the new bits and asking you to turn off all sorts of stuff I've done it a couple of times and yeah it's 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 good stuff. So
1: Zeb, besides the fact that you have that heinous looking wallpaper uh behind <laughs> you you also mentioned that you upgraded to Kubuntu 18.04.1 when this news hit so how do you like it looks like both of you jumped to kubuntu
0: yeah well i mean i've i've been using kubuntu since the first alpha when i heard that it, it was coming out and it was rock solid from day one and i followed it through to the alpha to the release so i was really interested in putting the the 4.1 you know um release To the test to see if it performed as well as the original um kubuntu and i have to say it's sterling it's exactly the same rock solid everything works out of the box everything looks good out of the box and i've not had a a single problem with it it's a lovely distribution
1: yeah it's the best kubuntu release ever i think Uh, Hmm. and you know i've only started i guess it would have been back with 16 but the typical issues that I experienced when I was on NVIDIA and had KDE plasma desktop were always there. And then 18 dropped and all of that went away. No more artifacting, no more of the menu issues that I was having. The team there in Kubuntu 18, and we've said it before, this is the best work they've ever done, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Which is what you expect to see. Yeah,
2: I totally agree. It's it's um, a completely unbiased opinion on my part as well. It's the best uh, version of Kubuntu ever. Um, Asterix, I contributed to this version of Kubuntu. Um, so anyway, they this this is actually what I switched to it to test out some stuff, but also I knew I had maybe thirty minutes to get something ready that I could rely on and it would work what I wanted it to do. So I chose Kubuntu eighteen o four point one, and then nice. it worked perfectly. So speaking of KDE Plasma, because this per- of course we gotta continue to talk about that the uh, KDE uh, on their blog post they ma- they posted a, a new blog article about the engineering of plasma and what's <laughs> really cool about this one is that it's like this is something that they they've kind of explained but never really clarified exactly how it works and they go through like a lot of detail to explain the difference between like what the kwin and plasma are doing and things like that so this is a really cool uh, article because they explain like the difference between the plasma extensions, and one of the things out—this is a side note—the extensions is a term that they could really pick which what what to call it because it's like extensions, plasmoids, widgets, like just pick something. Anyway, uh,
1: you <laughs> so, mean there's a naming issue in Linux that never
2: happens? Well, it's it's the problem is that they all mean the same thing. It's just like just or sometimes I call them plugins too. It's like just just pick something and just go with it.
1: <laughs> So the whole idea here is the whole idea that they're separating these out so that, you know, in in, in Gnome recently, what I've had an issue with is if something goes bad, the entire Gnome session will lock up. And I've never experienced that in any other Linux desktop environment, period. It was the only one. I I like Gnome. I've enjoyed my time there, but that was very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And in this, the way they're basically doing the architecture for the shell ui extensions they're making it so essentially they're not interconnected so they wouldn't crash your session even more so than before cuz i don't remember that being an issue
2: well in the, so they're they're making it better so like what you're saying is right they're they're making the they're in, making the extensions to be separate so like kind of they are now but they're sort of not so the reason is because the compositor that handles all the windows which is K- uh, kwin or Quinn or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, that handles all the windows. So if your Plasma desktop crashes or something, the windows are still fine, or the applications are still fine, and the same thing and vice versa. So they have it separated right now so that the Plasma shell and the compositor and window manager is all separate. But they currently have the extensions that are integrated and connected to the Plasma shell. So this would be making it so that the uh, extensions could be separated from the Plasma shell also, so they have like three different components. So like, each... They haven't said exactly if each extension is going to have its own uh, process or anything, but they by separating it from the plasma shell, it allows it so like the plasma shell would could break, but it could come back in like two seconds because all the other ex- all the extensions are still good. So things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, one yes. of the things that I think is really cool is that they're also talking about having a separate. Actually, I think they are going to have a separate process for the extensions because they did talk about having sandboxing. So Mm -hmm. in theory, you could have, you could install a new extension and have it sandbox to itself and not affect any other extensions. So that would be amazing.
0: So tell me, is this a pure technical article or would the average user get a better understanding of how his system sort of hangs together? Would they be able to survive the first two paragraphs or would they be yawning, heading for bed?
2: uh it's like a 50 50 really Mm -hmm. uh it's there's there's a little there's a little bit technical aspects to it um okay there's quite a bit of technical aspects to it but there's um it is somewhat uh, um like they they do kind of like take it down so it's like a very technical topic that's not presented technically So I guess that's how to say it because it it is. Yeah, they put a nice
1: graphic in here. The graphic makes sense to me. The general idea of it is the architecture discussed above shields applications in the compositor from the shell UI extensions, but it doesn't shield the shell. We Mm want to fix that next. So they're just doing more work basically to separate these items out so that they don't end up causing major issues, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't. They already
2: don't really make issues, but they're just going to make it even better.
1: And ultimately, that's always going to be good for the end user because you don't want it to become like a Windows where you start getting used to crashing. Like Mm -hmm. It's so funny. On my work environment, we have to use Windows. And just this week, it was Friday, I was working and some of the applications I were using were getting memory issues and just crashing and hanging up. And it became such a foreign thing because I've been using Linux now for so long in a desktop. Before, I would have just reopened the app and not even thought twice about it. It's like, oh, I'm in Windows. This stuff's going to crash. But now (laughs) it's it's kind of like, it's shocking. It's like, oh my gosh, this is taking down everything. And then sometimes you have to reboot the entire machine just to get it back to restore. And basically, this work that they're doing in KDE, KDE constantly being kind of on the cutting edge, sometimes to the good, sometimes to the bad, are pushing kind of this containerized, in my opinion, in my limited knowledge, it looked more like, Containerizing things to keep stuff from being able to have major impacts if they fail, and separating them out, which also right. generally creates more security enhancements uh, or possibilities out there as well. Yeah, exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what it is, yeah. and it also has the the bit it has the security aspects, but um, the stability is the most you know the most important thing. It's, it just shows you that the KDE team are putting a lot of effort into making sure that everything that they produce has like the most stability as possible. And even when they already have a pretty solid system or system or distribution, uh, desktop environment, they're still putting more effort to make it even better. So that's great.
0: Mm -hmm. So from one very technical document to another very technical side of, of Linux. Um, and that is the fact that Linus Torvalds announced over the weekend, the seventh and last release candidate, um, for the Linux 4.18 kernel. Now, Normally this sort of stuff is like, oh, really? Yawn, it just worked. Come on, what do I need to know about that for? But it's actually quite interesting this week because Ryan, they've got some news.
1: Oh my gosh. See, I'm trying to keep you that that team green behind you is bothering me. And I'm trying <laughs> to keep you from going to that 1080 because I, I, I get the Vega didn't quite work for you. And even in my reviews, I talked about look, it's it's comparable the Vega 64 to the 1080, probably not the 1080 Ti. And the fact is it came out later than the 1080, so it should be a better performer. It's not. It's at least on par, and there are some advantage it has, like being able to just use a Mesa driver and those type of things. But I get why you weren't satisfied with it. You had a different card than me. Had some other issues as well, potentially. But the reason why I want you to hold out is because in this latest kernel, And this is what I love about Linux. When I talk about running Linux on the latest and greatest hardware, they're already preparing for GPUs that haven't even launched yet. They're supposed to be announced this year. Mm -hmm. They're the Radeon Vega 20 GPUs. This is so exciting because I think this is going to be the moment where AMD has, in my opinion, dominated and created a better CPU than Intel for the first time in forever. And now you have the Vega 20 GPUs, and the reason why this matters so much is the Vega 20s are going to be based on 7 nanometer technology, which essentially, to break that down into the easiest terms possible, the smaller that is, the faster it can get data back and forth. There's nothing that I know of right now, I don't think that's on that type of architecture, that small of an architecture, and these things are probably just going to soar. I say probably because I don't have one yet, although if AMD mm-hmm. will not send me one, I'd be happy to test it. Yes. So there are many things within this kernel, but that one really stuck out to me because now instead of new hardware dropping and then we wait to catch up to it, mm-hmm. Linux now has in its kernel hardware that hasn't even been released yet, but it's ready for it when it drops. That mm-hmm. is awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things I love about love the fact that that AMD is becoming, you know, much more open and, you know, integrating to the kernel as well. Uh, There's uh, Intel has been doing that a little bit, but to have a, you know, a manufacturer of like, you know, the high end hardcore type uh, hardware is like much more interesting than. Well, I mean, it's not much more, okay, it's much more interesting to me, so let's go with that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then,
1: you know, in this, you get USB Type-C and 3.2, better support for those connections, official support for Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 ARM chips, which I thought was interesting as well, and also variants for the Spectre, of course, mitigations and things like that, but... You can see there's a lot of work. Arm is a massive beast of a company, and uh, they are producing just endless devices. Most phones run on an Arm architecture, but endless devices out there with Arm chips, they are arming them with Arm chips. And so seeing that support within Linux as well makes a ton of sense for me because they're a company that not a lot of people talk about, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are probably using Arm processors somewhere uh, yeah. One way or another. Almost so. guaranteed if you have a phone. If you have a smartphone, yeah. you're almost guaranteed to have one.
2: I just
0: oh. used an ARM processor a moment ago as well. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a wine bottle, app? <laughs> an ARM bottle.
1: Yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right. So next in the news, though, we have the return of Corora 28. Fantastic. So the reason why Wendy uh, mentioned this article in our Telegram group that anybody can join, by the way. You don't have to be a patron to join that. But you can join our Telegram group. And Wendy dropped this article in here about Aurora 28 coming back. And as you know, they kind of took a pause for a while. But the community wants it to return, and the community always gets what it wants. But the most interesting thing to me about this is when I went Fedora, when I went Team Red there with Fedora, I noticed that a lot of people were telling me, you need to check out Corora. And of course, as my timing would always have it, that's when <laughs> they put a pause on the entire project. Yep. So I never got to play with it, but now it's kind of back, Michael.
2: Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, um, I'm so glad it came back because Corora was like one of the reasons that when I used did use Fedora, I always went with Corora because they added an extra bit of polish and uh, give you access to different repositories that you didn't previously have access to unless you knew that they existed. But with Carora you get them immediately. And that's just awesome. So I'm, I'm really happy to see them coming back with this. Uh, do you know if the maintainer of the original project is still involved or is it like a community taking over thing?
0: I think it's the community taking over, but I did hear some rumor of that he can make himself available if they get stuck. He just doesn't want to do cool. it full time.
2: Okay, yeah. that's good. I mean, it's it's being able, good. just contributing in general, that's great. I mean, I was just curious if yeah. I hadn't heard about it yet. But yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things they do need to try and fix, which is why I didn't um, attempt to use this before, or rather I should say I did attempt to use it, but it suffers from the old Fedora problem of if you don't allow it to format your EUFI part or your EFI boot partition, it says you haven't got one. Mm. Um, and at that time, I wasn't prepared to do that because I only had the one EFI and it had all of my other distros installed. But what I've done now with my SSDs on my setup is I've given each individual SSD its own potential for it to have an EFI boot partition. Mm-hmm. And now I can put a, a Corora on it. And the worst that's going to happen is it will just chew up one partition. It's not going to ruin nice. the rest of my the my setups. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to using this because I had heard really good things about it before
2: yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely interested in seeing what your experience is for that because if it if it does you know having the e the separate efis that would be really interesting to see what happens
1: yeah Mm -hmm. now right now it's just xfce so that's the only desktop environment although they're working and bringing other desktops obviously xfce being the best it's the most important to get done first so Mm -hmm. i'm very happy to see that as well and it is beautiful i played with it in a virtual box i haven't done a full install of it yet and it looked gorgeous I mean there were I didn't have I didn't couldn't see any issues blatantly of course virtualbox isn't a fair comparison I want to see it actually on hardware but mm-hmm. it's in the virtual box some of them fail during that test and that's really bad uh, it looked very beautiful and very simple to use and figure out and like they had tied it all together really well for being a community project that they're kind of reviving here so I think that's awesome I love mm-hmm. this feedback. yeah
2: So, um, hopefully, they'll add the best desktop environment, KDE Plasma, to the next version (laughs) as well. Um, But something that's being added to Firefox, which is really good, is they're now going to be having out-of-process extensions being for the Linux version of Firefox, and that's coming in uh, Firefox 63.
1: So, you love Firefox, Michael. You've been a proponent um, of it. You got me to switch, which was a smart move. Uh, to That's to best. come to Firefox, but I really kind of got stuck here at a moment. I'm like, this guy loves Firefox so much, but this feature actually has been with Mac OS and Windows for a long time, apparently. So the next topic on the show <laughs> is um... so does does Mozilla really like Linux or what? Why don't we get the features the same time as everybody else? I have no idea. I can't answer that <laughs> one at all. Have... Yay,
0: mark a note on a calendar. Michael stumped. Yes, I stumped <laughs> him finally. So, okay. Firefox
2: is the best browser, but it is unfortunate that they didn't have this until now. But it is mm-hmm. good that they do have it. So that's, you know, incredible. Well, this
1: isn't like a little feature. This isn't right. like, oh, um, you know, here's something to allow you to view pictures in a gallery. Like, this is basically taking the extensions, again, like we were talking about earlier with the Plasma team and what they're doing mm-hmm. but this is in the browser they're taking those extensions and they're basically breaking them out into their own dedicated processes which means they're no longer going to crash your browser if the extension fails which is a really great thing and it also adds some security in containerizing those extensions so this is a like a big deal you would think you would put this in Linux first we're well, the ones who, You listen Windows only adopted security we were born <laughs> in it with that's Linux that's right. right
2: that's right that's yeah. right, but to be to be clear, uh, the electrolysis system had separation between the main core and the tabs. This is now giving it so, like, your extensions can ha- can take advantage of the electrolysis system. So it's uh it, it's kind of there. You already had majority of the the separation that Chrome does, but now it's it's even better. So it's going to make it more reliable for the extensions and have a extra security to it. Um, but I think that the, there's some issues. Is that some of the extensions might need to be rebuilt if they weren't paid if they if, they, if they're haven't updated in a while that might need to be con- uh, taken into consideration for that. But what's uh, what's really cool about it is that it will be on by default for all extensions when it when the next release when when that particular release comes out.
0: So we're now going to get the complete picture, which is nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, okay.
1: <laughs> so Firefox is great. Yeah, you just keep saying that, but I'm I'm telling you right now, we have a lot of very important people that listen to this show. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to embarrass them, but very, very important people. Firefox, Mozilla, you are officially on notice. If we don't get a feature at the same time as Windows and Mac OS that's security related next time, I might be singing at an opera, if you know what I mean. Opera browser, that's what I mean. Listening Anyways. to some Vivaldi music, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be listening to some Vivaldi music. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of browsers, this one's not my favorite, but it is Zeb's. <clears throat> Google Chrome. <laughs> yep, works for me. <laughs> Google, Google Chrome. If you don't like security and you don't like yeah. privacy, Google Chrome has a new beta uh, out there or developer version if you want, which has picture in picture mode. So why do we care about this? Zeb, is this some, some feature you think you'll use?
0: Um, Well, I read about it and I thought, well, what I normally do is I just hive off the tab anyway. So if I'm watching a YouTube video, I'll grab that tab, pull it up to the right hand corner, make it small so it just shows the video and then carry on reading what I was reading. So to to have the ability to actually go, no, I'll just pop out that video window. Interesting. But for me, it's a bit like television picture in pictures. Did it ever really take off or was it, was it just a gadget? It Does was, anybody yeah.
1: use that feature? Because this is the dumbest feature ever. Like I have it on my TV and I'm like, I turned it on. And for like three seconds, I'm like, look, honey, look how cool this is. He's yeah. like, put it back to my show. And that was the end of picture <laughs> in picture.
2: Yeah. And it's like, don't it, it, you want to watch this monitor. other thing maybe that's small and it's not worth
0: it. Well, <laughs> I've also got it on my monitor because I can connect up to four different devices and I could have four different outputs. But. If I okay. suddenly decide to have the Xbox in the bottom right-hand corner, I've now only got three quarters of my monitor around the side, and whatever was happening in the bottom right, I now can't see it because my Xbox is there. <laughs> so, I just, you know, it's a it's a feature that's it's gimmicky. It looks flesh, but does anybody really use it? I don't think so. So, I think right. this might fall in the same in the same vein, so unless one of you guys can convince I- me. I this. think it's
2: a bit of a damp squid.
0: Wow.
1: Wow, you really went there. so you know the <laughs> Anakin chat mentions that NASCAR races and IndyCar races at the same time, I could see this being useful for sports and since, oh my gosh, I accidentally showed my pink uh, pencil. Uh, I could see this uh, for sports being used for sports potentially for those who watch um, you know sports on their computers, I guess, if they had like PlayStation View or you can watch TV through your browser and then you could pull out I guess multiple windows. Well, yeah, you're I was saying to like be in working. the
2: verses between like having it, just taking the tab out, like Zeb said, this is what I do. And then rather than care about this, like, I, I guess it's nice for some people for a novelty, maybe. But I think it's going to be the same thing that Zeb said is just going to be like, or I mean, also what you say, you just turn it, you just look at it for three minutes and you're done.
0: Yeah, it's about yeah. that. It's, but having said that, I bet you, Ryan, in a couple of months time, Firefox offer it as well.
1: After they do it for Windows, yeah. Okay, since
2: you're going to bring up Firefox, already
1: had it. Actually, yes. I'm glad you used the word had because you told me last week that Firefox has it as an extension.
2: No, I I said said it had it.
1: Technically, I said it had it. You may have. I didn't pay attention. So I went and researched and I found (laughs) it. It's called PIP and it's not compatible with Quantum oh no, no
2: that's a different thing that's a different thing that's that was that's good but that was like back in the day but i'm talking about like uh, there's one that's called uh minvid and it's I mean, m-i-n-v-i-d however it's also a had it because it was a <laughs> test pilot experiment that mozilla did and i don't think you can uh, still get it Zeb, so you
1: might I be, might be joining you on team chrome here Not to. absolutely
0: well i um, mean this is like uh anyway <laughs> so yeah to- talking of chrome um we've also got the partner um browser chromium yeah. and along with oprah canonical have advised that they are now going to be available as snaps um now this news met me with my usual now oh called another snap that i can get out of the um, repositories anyway but then you brought up a very uh, good point ryan was to where you would use something like this mm-hmm.
1: yeah so you know on this show for instance or even when i'm doing my own show Uh, on YouTube. I like to have a separate browser than what I use as my personal browser open because I don't want all the tabs. If I'm looking on Amazon for something for the family or whatever, I don't want all those recommendations and all that stuff showing up when I'm recording a show. Uh, Also, there are times where I need to have multiple browsers open at the same time, regardless of what's on them. And having, say, my go-to Firefox and then having Opera in a Snap or Chromium in a Snap that I can pop up as my secondary browser. Very, very useful for me or a way that, you know, I could see being able to utilize this. Now I have in my install script out on GitHub, the ability it installs Opera and you'll see that it was a little bit of a task of pulling down the files and, mm-hmm. and being able to build that package out before. Now I can literally change all of that script, remove it out there and just snap install Opera. Uh, so, which means it's always going to grab the latest version, which is nice, and mm-hmm. makes it much more easier to maintain that code for the GUI installer that uh, I have out there. So, multiple um, uh, use cases and for me that I could get out of this.
2: Yeah, it's really nice. it's really good, and I do the same thing where I have like multiple browsers that are all you know separate. So, I, like for example, I use uh, Vivaldi as my secondary because it doesn't have anything custom in it. It's just I just want to I just need a browser that I could display. Uh, and not have to have all my stuff associated.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You could also go the second route of getting another computer and just doing that. So you have one computer (laughs) that only has this one purpose, is selling stuff that's nothing in there. Yeah, get another computer. Just jump right off that fiscal cliff. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) But there's there's one thing you could say. There's one, like, because Firefox is also a Snap, you could have your Snap and your dev separate, so you could have both and still use Mm -hmm. Firefox for
1: everything. That's a great option. Wow, wow. Only if they give us the updates at the same time will I do that. You're on notice, far. Well, it's a
2: snap, so you might get some good updates on that pretty quick. Let's <laughs> go with that. Speaking of uh, something that's uh, coming out of the uh, rumor mill, essentially, um, the, there's a possibility that Windows 10 may be going bye-bye, and with replacing it would be a desktop as a service where you pay a subscription fee to use your machine.
1: I, I, I love this idea. I, I, I encourage Windows, Microsoft to continue with this plan. I think it's brilliant. I am yes, so excited it for is It is the
2: best option they could possibly give us. Yes.
1: Exactly. It's the greatest gift that we'll keep on giving. So I, I first saw this in the computer world article that they were talking about this, but this is why it's caught attention. So, People may not realize that if you are dealing with Windows licenses on an enterprise, this is already a thing. So Mm -hmm. enterprise versions of Windows, you already can buy uh, this basically desktop as a service offering and interact with their Office 365 offering. Now, the idea that I'm actually hearing from after this person broke this news, and and Michael, you did the right thing by saying kind of a rumor, but one of the things that seems to not be a rumor or more people are grabbing onto is the fact that Windows is in fact going to be selling a bundle with their Surface lineup. So you would be buying the Surface, and then with that, it's going to come a bundle of a desktop as a service, including Office 365 and Windows 10 licensing i guess bundled together that you would pay one fee for and keep upgrading those and then if you have support issues well i guess windows manages the updates at that point and then if you have support mm-hmm. issues you have ability to reach out to them so the question is are they going to push everyone towards this model in their future desktop which would be creating you know basically operating system suicide and be falling all those new users right into our linuxy hands
0: mm-hmm.
2: I'm okay with they do it. Uh, um, I encourage Microsoft to go through this route. Uh, it's the best option I've heard them talk about in a long time.
0: I mean, I, mean, I can almost understand it, especially when you talked about that, the, the, the their Microsoft Surface Book thing. Um, if they were to do it a bit like Samsung's, you know, give us 30 pound a month and you can have a brand new phone every year and so just send us the old one back. If they did something similar for you, with the actual Surface machine, so every year you've got the newest and latest and greatest machine for your monthly fee of, I don't know, $50 a month or something, then that might make sense. But for you to have to go out and pay $1,000 for this Microsoft Surface and then, what is it, about $20 a month for 365 Yeah. I, yeah I, I've never really looked at it. And then it's going to be a minimum of $20 a month for, for Windows, I would have thought that's an awful lot of money just to churn out every year and you're not going to get a new piece of kit. So, yeah, I think if they do go this route, they will fall flat on their face. And I well, never thought I'd say that about Windows because they're just too big. But
1: Keep in mind, you know, it's, it's a situation where when people think a company, well, Microsoft will never do that. Let's take a look at the Xbox. If the Xbox 360 owned gaming, and I know not everybody's into gaming, but hear me out here because this has a point. I think Uh, the Xbox 360 owned gaming. It was way more popular than the PlayStation. It completely dominated the PlayStation. Everybody had an Xbox 360. It was considered the best console at that time. Then it came time for the Xbox one and the PS four. So PS four comes out and it's kind of blase. Nobody seems to care about it. Everybody's still talking about Xbox right up into the moment that they announce that they're only gonna have digital games. Do you guys remember this? They're only gonna sell digital games. Nobody can buy a physical disc anymore. And so they go out full press and say this is what we're doing, deal with it. I think they even said deal with it to somebody on a Twitter thing, uh, if I recall directly, and we're pushing it. The market fought back so hard that they finally had to basically re-engineer the operating system right before launch, which turned out to be a disaster because it wasn't working correctly and try to put a disc reader in here and give physical access to the disc because obviously what happened is GameStop revolted against them and other companies that's entire business model are based on this. Now, I found that kind of interesting because we're all on, a lot of us are utilize Steam and we only have digital or only use digital offerings for gaming. And Microsoft was just kind of like taking that and running with it a little. But they are not afraid what I'm getting at to shoot themselves in the foot multiple Mm -hmm. times. And I could see Windows testing this out with the Surface and eventually pushing it towards the other models because now they're tying your license to your Microsoft login ID. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the first step that you would start to do if you were getting a monthly service, getting ready for a monthly, you know, a yearly or monthly plan in there. So it could happen, Mm -hmm. and I would love to see it happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you also mentioned something where Stephen um summed up his article and you thought it was quite quite a sort of like a, not a, not a, not the right word but a quite a thought provoking sentence that he that he finished up with. What yeah. was it that he said?
1: He said, "I'm not happy with this development. I'm old enough to remember the PC revolution. We went from depending on mainframes and Unix boxes for computing power" to having the real power on our desktops. It was liberating. Now Microsoft, which helped lead that revolution, is trying to return us to that old centralized control model. Fascinating to me. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. It sounds
2: kind of pretty much what they want to do, yeah. Yeah. Which they should do it. Ruin your system.
0: Please. Mm -hmm. Well, talking about people who will do their own thing regardless um there's a new um crowdfunding that's just gone live for the gpd pocket 2. Um, now this is a nice little seven inch portable laptop um, and it's launched a crowdfunding campaign for a second version Um, so this niche mini laptop has some interesting use cases and is a great travel buddy but this time round there's no linux support
1: you're dead to me.
0: Um, so what, what happened to all of those people who who went out and supported and helped them get the GDP pocket one? Okay, I know they've now got their little tool, but surely they were thinking, okay, yeah, we'll do the two when it comes out and we'll get an even better No, Sorry, boys. Windows only, is it?
2: Well, the G P D pocket is an interesting situation because they – when they first announced the first Indiegogo campaign, they didn't even have a working model. Like, they had like 3D renderings and stuff. So, the fact that they actually created something that legitimately became like a decent device, like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. ridiculously expensive for the tiny little thing it is, but uh, the I've actually got to use it for about 15, 20 minutes once and, at a conference, and it was really fun and surprisingly good to type on. Like, not. You know, it was still mm-hmm. a tiny keyboard, but surprisingly yeah. usable while still being a tiny keyboard. And the first time I used it, I got like maybe two percent, um, like two percent error rate for typing. Mm-hmm. So it was it's actually not bad. But yeah. I think the problem with it was the the when they made the GPT Pocket One, they made the Ubuntu version and the Windows version. But the Windows version had more powerful hardware and more RAM, so the there was no reason to get the ubuntu version because you they kind of made it like less you know less incentive you're going to spend less feeling, right yeah if you're gonna, if you're going to spend hundreds of dollars and the difference between one and the other is like 60 bucks well you're just going to get the other one because it's more powerful why wouldn't you mm-hmm. and then people and the people who wanted to have it like the person i talked to who let me borrow like play with their uh their gpd pocket in at the conference told me they got the windows version because it was more powerful and they just put Linux on it. So I think mm-hmm. the vast majority of people who wanted to do using Linux would also be, you know, aware of that, that problem and just get mm-hmm. the windows version. So the, maybe the GP pocket looked at it as like people didn't want the Ubuntu version or whatever, the Linux version, but maybe they just didn't take into consideration that why would someone pay $500 for an inferior of their own product? You know?
0: Well, that's where I was going to go with my next, my next section because it talks about having – it's only a 7-inch screen, but it's got a 1920 by 1200 touchscreen, mm-hmm. an Intel Core i3 mobile kb eight processor, mm-hmm. 4 gig of RAM, 128 gigabyte eMMC5 um, hard disk, I guess, for $529. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who's going to spend that money? on that. I mean, apart from Mr. Gadget over here.
1: <laughs> I find it highly, listen, if they had put Linux on it and had a Linux model, I would be interested even paying, although I think for the specs and what it is, it's a, now some people who travel a lot, I could see this being very nice to be able to stick in a pocket of a laptop bag. For instance, I always have to bring my work computer with me. Mm-hmm. but I also want to bring a personal computer that I do personal stuff on because I don't mix the two. I don't do anything personal on my work computer. So having a little laptop that I could throw in there quickly would be a great thing to have. At $529 with four gigabytes of RAM, which to me the minimum right now is eight. I know pe- you can do things on four, but I just have to have eight for everything that I run to really feel like the operating system and everything is snappy with what I'm doing, whether it's using GIMP or other things. When you got four gigs, it just really starts to take a toll on the system in my experience. So I I need eight gigabytes of RAM. When I look at this and the fact that they're not supporting Linux now, so I'm not going to give them more money than what they're worth. I'm going to evaluate them on the hardware they're giving. Frankly, I would rather have a Microsoft Surface Go. The -hmm. Surface Go that was just announced is about the exact same price. um, And it has a way more beautiful screen at 1800 by 1200 IPS technology. You get the Pentium Cabby Lake processor. You get eight gigabytes of Ram. You have something that you can also take windows off and put Linux on it. So it actually runs correctly, which would be the same (laughs) thing that I would have to do with this GPD. So I would go with the go if I had to choose between the two. And I think you'd have a better option. Plus it has the pen capability with the go. So you could draw on it and things. Now, if I had artistic talent, that would mean something, but yeah. That's the so, spirit. There you go. Yeah. I, so I, I, agree. I I'm not happy with this decision. I was hoping they would... I don't think it's that hard to make a Linux version. Now, the Linux community will always go out there and create patches and things to make it work, I'm sure, perfectly fine like yeah. the community always does. It's like, how dare
2: should, you not allow us to have this? We're going to make it.
1: Yeah. I mean, how hard <laughs> is it to just not include the uh, to include a Linux version on here? The Linux community, if they would have reached out, would have helped them even build it, and then you'd have mm-hmm. built a bigger following. It, to uh-huh. me ridiculous. There's
2: a there's a section where I think there was a like a subreddit or something where people were working on this and like the first version and they found all these kinds of bugs and stuff and they submitted up up to the to people who are the manufacturers and stuff like that. So they could have just contacted them and get like had it ready and they they probably wouldn't even have to do the development to make it work. They could have just asked the
1: community to do it. Uh so yeah. Yeah, I agree it's a massive missed opportunity. So on to some news. Now, I know sometimes people skip the gaming section because they're not into gaming. We only got two articles here, and then we're going to do a new section. so I'm only mentioning that for individuals who've told us that you know they're not into the gaming section, which is fine. So but to kick us off in the gaming area, Valve is going to release Artifact on Linux, November 28th. Can I get some hype, people? This is the first valve game in a long time. Half-Life Woo-hoo. Three. <laughs> Woo! <Woo-hoo. laughs> so I'm,
2: I'm actually really excited that Valve is making a new game for Linux, and it well, they're making it for everything, and then it's going to be supported on Linux. I'm pretty sure day one, right? And yeah. that that is awesome, and it's a card game, so I
1: don't care. The second that it's Valve, it's going to be a triple A game.
2: It is. You've yes, got that's the true. The
1: massive. Let me tell you something. When I saw Blizzard's Hearthstone, I thought this is the stupidest idea ever. You collect virtual cards. Then you strategize with these cards and you build a deck and you go and you attack people with it. But unlike magic or those things where you, you know, I know there's magic online things, but at the time where you had physical decks that you collect that you could trade for real money, I'm like, why would people do this in a digital environment? And then I played Hearthstone and I was like, oh, that's why. The game's ridiculously fun. Quick sessions that you play with people. You quickly realize how bad you have no strategy and how poor your deck is. But nonetheless... A lot of fun. That's my experience with pretty much every game. It's a trading game. You can trade these virtual cards with other people. You basically build certain decks based on a fighting style you want. It's like customizing a character. And then you go to war with people. Um, and so, Zeb, I don't know. You've played card games like Rummy. and I was going to say, is this not
0: online Snap?
1: <laughs> sure. What's that?
0: Well, you put, get a sure. of cards, and you put your <laughs> cards down and when... You get the same card as your colleague has put down. You shout "snap" and put your hand on the deck. That
1: must be a British thing,
0: now? That's you're going to break the monitor if you do that. <laughs> it
1: kind of it sounds I, like that uh,
2: that pong game where you had those pongs. Uh...
0: This is a bit reminiscent of like this sort of like the first Dungeons and Dragons sort of games that came <laughs> out, where you where you had to get all your bits and pieces together first, and you used to sit around a table, and and nah.
1: Let it's, me tell it you looks something.
0: really, really good, though the graphics. I challenge too,
1: right? you to to play on your phone Hearthstone because it's available on Android and iOS, and see mm-hmm. if you enjoy it. Just play it for a good hour. You know, when you got an hour to spare, sitting in front of the TV, and I think you'll find yourself actually enjoying it more than you think you will, because I certainly did. I kind of had the same idea on those. Um, yeah. But there's one more gaming news item, Michael. What is
2: it? Uh, this is one I am super excited for. Um,
1: crazy justice and oh my gosh i am so pumped for this dude
2: i love i like the name of it but i also like what they're trying to do and this is a full serious battle royale game for on linux <sighs> and it's gonna be free to play so even that it's like well the battle royale parts be free to play You can play the other if you want to play the other modes that's a, a it's a purchasable thing but i'm okay with that too because I'm—I mean, probably out of just out of respect for them making this game for Linux, and I'm just going to get the purchasables, even if I don't even play it. If I just play Battle Royale, it doesn't matter. Because absolutely, because I appreciate it so much.
1: It's kind of like Ballistic Overkill. You know, Ballistic Overkill charges you nothing. There's no keys to open chests, upgrade your characters, none of that. So what do I do? I go buy all of the little character skins and stuff, <laughs> just as a way to support the game because I love Ballistic Overkill and I love that it's on Linux. Crazy Justice is doing a massive launch. They're launching on Nintendo Switch, PS4, PC, you know, obviously PC. See, I'm getting into the, that's what the gaming magazines and stuff, mm-hmm. Windows and Linux and yeah. Mac OS all at the same time. Well, they're doing, and, they're doing PC correctly. They're doing like the exactly. actual P- personal computers. It's like that's It good. frustrates <laughs> me when I'm reading Game Informer and it's like works on PC. I'm like, eh, you're lying. <laughs> 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 what does that mean so they're actually like you said doing pc battle royale is a big deal for linux the most popular game i think right now on the planet has to be either uh fortnite or what is it battle underground what is it uh, called, PUBG, is
2: called. P- players unknown battlegrounds
1: players unknown Battlegrounds. those are the two most popular games right now you can't really play them on linux um you can do some stuff through Wine, but with Fortnite, it uses BattleEye because I tried mm-hmm. to get it running through Wine to do a video, and BattleEye basically doesn't work within Wine yet—at least, I say yet—and uh, because of that, you can't play. But these are very popular games. So Crazy Justice is a new one, mm-hmm. and it's coming to Linux, which means people who get addicted to this and play this in mass—if it's good, which I really hope it is—bring a lot of new people to mm-hmm. the gaming arena in the linux world
0: is this going to have that sort of bouncy choppy running around motion that's going to give me motion sickness after 20 minutes because that's what happens with ballistic overkill i mean i love the fact that i'm getting chopped to smithereens every two seconds and i just respawn and i know the way out of my base (laughs) cap like the back of my hand um but after about 20 minutes of this bobbing up and down and and that motion it just it just yeah, makes there me... are
1: features in a lot of games that allow you to turn off the bobbing, and I want to say it's in Ballistic Overkill, Michael. We're going to have to look to turn well, off. Well, I'll
0: have to really look, because if I can yeah. turn that off, then I might be able to play for a lot longer. Which
1: yeah. would be awesome, um, mm. because we've got to take out Rocco. He's just getting way too cocky with the sniper, <laughs> and we, we've got we've got to humble him here. Uh, right. I so, agree. but Yeah, this may have that. This has got the cartoony a little bit, but not... Junk graphics, very good graphics, but that mm-hmm. cartoony, bright-colored graphics yeah, like yeah. Fortnite has, and uh, maybe it'll have a feature. Hopefully, if uh, someone from the team is listening, they'll turn off or have a feature to turn off the bobbing because, like you, Zeb, I actually have the same problem If it. Bob's around too much. It makes me my mm-hmm. eyes tired and Quite easy.
0: Yeah. yeah, but what I liked about this game is when you actually shoot at someone, it's a bullet and not a round orange circle
1: yes it's an actual
0: bullet you can actually see it like a ray trace heading towards where it's going to so yeah this sounds like it could be fun so i'll definitely give it a go and um, as per michael's comments yes i'm open to bribes boys
1: oh nice (laughs) i love it all right so now we're going to do a new section that we've added which will go into our shows going forward tips and tricks of the week so we're going to have a software spotlight and a tip that we pick out, and some of these will be easy, and some you'll be like, oh, I've always known that, and some you may not know. And in fact, this one sounds easy, but I didn't know it, and I am so happy to now know it because it's made my life a lot easier. What is it, Zeb? Um,
0: well, I mean, I, I discovered this probably about two years ago now, um, because one of the things that Peppermint Linux does is, is it has everything minimalist, and that includes all of the borders on any windows now how many times have you gone to a particular window gone to click on the line that denotes it so your mouse changes and then you've spent the next five minutes getting ready and then as you click it it moves off again so you can never grab the border right very simple easy trick put your mouse near the border where you want to move hold your finger on the alt key right mouse click And then drag the window to wherever you want to take it now if you do that in the corner then you can do both options at the same time but if you just do it on one edge you can go up and down or left and right so just to repeat that again put your mouse anywhere near the window edge that you want hold down the alt key and then right mouse click hold it down and drag the window to the new size you want. So no more flinging around for this one pixel edge that you can never get your finger on.
1: Yeah, it's so funny after all this time, you've changed my life with this simple thing. I'm one of those ones sitting there trying to inch my mouse perfectly to where it gives me the little arrow in the corner to resize the screen, hold the alt key, right click, boom, you can resize it immediately. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and if if your window manager has snapping, you can snap them together pretty easily too.
0: Mm-hmm. But you're not the only one who didn't know this, Ryan, because I've seen Pseudo Reboot struggling an awful lot doing it on his streams <laughs> and also English Bob when he's trying to get it so the chat window's there, his virtual machine is over there, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sort of shouting at the machine, alt, right mouse click, and by the time you finish typing it, they're both 30 minutes behind the stream anyway, so they never, so- they never read what it is I'm trying to tell them. So hopefully they'll watch this, alt, right mouse click, Drag the window to your heart's content.
1: Now, this doesn't work on every desktop environment. I did test it in Cinnamon because that's what mm-hmm. I'm on right now. I know it works in Cinnamon. Michael, was there some others that you know of it doesn't work with? The last time I tried it in GNOME, it didn't work.
2: The, 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 the alt-right mouse click doesn't work, but the alt-left mouse click does work, which is the same thing but for moving. So you can move okay. a window really easily that way. That did work, but last time I checked, it doesn't work in the right click. But it has worked for a decade in Plasma.
1: There you go. All right. Throw it out there, the Plasma thing. So now on to a software spotlight. So I love this program. I don't hear many people talk about it. I am not a fan of Logitech's webcams by any stretch of the imagination, although we're all kind of forced to use them because they're the only player. I'm not a fan because they write nothing for Linux. So you can't – all the features you buy, if you get a 922X – To remove backgrounds or change contrast and all of that stuff, you have to find another method to do that because Logitech hates me, us. Apparently. Yeah. So there's a program out there called GovCView, G U V C View. It's a webcam application that lets you go in and change brightness, contrast, saturation, resolution, all of those things for your webcam. I have used it for the Logitech, I have used it for external cams that I have set up, camcorders that I had set up doing my video earlier. Um, So what it does is when you go and you change those settings in View, it also saves them. So when you exit out and say then open OBS or open Zoom, those settings are still there in your Logitech webcam. So the, the contrast, the brightness, the white noise, all of that still saves within those settings. Making it to me an invaluable tool because we utilize that so much with podcasts and doing YouTube videos and those type of things. Oh yeah! So Gov-C View, it's
2: awesome. Yeah, I started playing with it because um, I when you when you put it in the show notes, I was like, oh, okay, I've, I've used this before, but only for the most basic features of using of like displaying a webcam. And then I started playing with it, like, oh, this is way more
1: useful than I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely awesome. So that is the end of our show, our first show without our beloved friend Rocco, but he has been hanging out in the Telegram groups and has some more free time to play box. So if you miss him, go check out the Destination Linux Telegram group. And a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting and watching and listening to the show, even though we're adjusting to the three host format here you guys have done nothing but show love and shout outs and comments and telling us the show must go on and in fact right now we've never had this many patrons sitting in a room watching us do this show live so that means so much to us uh that you guys give us that kind of support so zeb how can people get a hold of us
0: yeah i mean i know i bang on about it every every week but please remember that you can get back to us and let us know what you think or or ask any burning questions. Um, We've got numerous methods. We've got email, which is comments at destinationlinux.org. We've got our telegram, I'm going to say telephone group there, our telegram group, um, Discord, Mumble, our website, destinationlinux.org, Google, sorry, Google+, Plus, Twitter, And, of course, the comments at the end of this video when we post it. Um, And I know I keep saying it, but it really is important because for the last two weeks now, we've had two excellent emails from users giving us their experience Mm -hmm. um, about how they use it or... Allowing us, myself and Rocco, to have a little giggle at, Rock, at Ryan's expense with, <laughs> uh, with the Honda video. So it really does make up a big part of the show. So keep telling us how you how you feel about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, remember to to like that smash button.
0: Oh my god! And
2: to uh, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, also, if you uh, this is something interesting, I, I kind of wanted to just throw it in there. You ever see that? Like most podcasts you listen to, they'll say something like uh, "rate us in your in your favorite, uh, you know, pa- podcasting app." Ra- you know, rate and review and blah, blah blah. Turns out that's almost impossible because they say that because they don't know. There's only three of those podcast apps you can actually do reviews and ratings, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Stitcher, Podcast Republic, and unfortunately iTunes. There you so go. if you want to do that, feel free to do so. And that's how you can do it at this point.
1: But we do love those reviews. There was a point on iTunes even where there were zero reviews. Now we have tons of five-star reviews out there, which yep. absolutely makes our day. And we are reaching out to the patrons more as we change the format of the show uh, to meet, you know, we're not going to change everything. The heart of the show will always be Destination Linux. But as we make changes because of the three post-format, Uh, We are going to reach out to the patrons to give us advice and we've put polls out there to get information on when we should release our recordings and make those adjustments. But we appreciate so much your patience with us as we figure out this new stuff here and get things rolling back as usual. So everybody have a great week and remember the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
2: Thanks everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Destination Linux podcast. Yeah, yeah, we did it. Are you recording? Yeah.
1: Okay,
2: good. Am I? Do I have good. audio? Uh, maybe. Does the overlay work? Yes, the overlay works now.
0: Uh,
2: okay, we're gonna do the whole
1: audio testing thing. Okay. Michael Same is 30 th- minutes late as usual. Nothing has changed.
0: Except we now have somebody else panicking in the top left-hand corner.
2: <laughs> Technically the edited version. I'm going to be on the top right, corner, so it's closed. And I am mm. panicking. But more importantly, it's 18 minutes late, not 30. Thank you. Mm. I did create the web version <laughs> little port viewer thing. <laughs> but...
0: Teacher, what about
1: hey, who I, don't, knows? I don't think anything's working over there. If we probably could see his screen. <laughs> who knows? It's who just cares? Just let, him d- let him say it so he can get done with it and be over <laughs> I feel like he's panicking because his computer's on fire and he's not telling us. And he's like, I don't know if the fire's going to go out on its own or if I should just not say anything.
2: <laughs> um That's a fair. Uh, okay. We'll assume it worked. I'm that? There was a couple uh, issues that happened during the stream, but none of them are... are I couldn't fix all of them. It's just just mm-hmm. like, a couple of things happened. But Like? Uh, well, one time I accidentally scrolled I'm away, s- so this capture was weird for like half a second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we've never had this many patrons show up. That's pretty That's
0: awesome. Awesome, isn't it? Eh? It's Showing fun. some
1: love right when we need it most. Yeah, you know? I, I appreciate every one of you who showed up. In OBS, you see the audio thing going like this?